bring Christian greetings to you all as, as we have met to worship today. Like I tell the home congregation, it, uh, it, uh, <clears throat> it's something that we should look forward to. Not that we have to come once in seven days, but we should look forward to being here. Because it blesses us, it encourages us, it uh, builds us up for the situations that we will face in the coming week. And we should look forward to it, to, to get our renewed energy. And the uh, <clears throat> title of my message today is uh, Four Souls and Three and a Half Hours of Fuel. Now, let me give you some background to this message. Uh, I'll tell you a story that, that, that happened at, coming into this message. Our daughter and her husband lived in Guatemala for a number of years. And, and we visited Guatemala from time to time. And, uh, and I never would fly in the mission plane because I, I got motion sickness real easy. And, and um, no, I, I just, when I had opportunity to fly in a mission plane, I wouldn't fly. I'd, I'd go some other way. We'd go some other way. In fact, one weekend, my wife and I stayed in the village by ourselves while Jeff and Crystal left in the mission plane. And I believe they went to the city. And we stayed out here in the village by ourselves. That was a little bit scary at times. But, uh, but anyway, by this time, I, I was willing to fly in the mission plane. I guess I had more experience in flying. And so, yeah, I, I was ready, ready to do that. So, on this particular trip, we went to Guatemala and, our, our, and we landed at the uh, airport, the main airport there in Guatemala City. And, uh, and our daughter and her husband, they, they lived uh, like a 12-hour drive from the city. And so there was various ways you could get there. You could go by bus or you could go by vehicle and, and so on. And, and, and Jeff and Crystal usually picked us up in their vehicle to travel out to where they lived. And one time when Samuel and I went down, and Ellen had already been down there, uh, let's see, we went on the all-night bus and I had a real bad experience and I said, I'm not going on the all-night bus again. So this particular trip, we was on the day bus. So my wife and I were on the day bus and we, we uh, traveled from Guatemala City to about, a, about an eight hour ride on the day bus and then Jeff's were there to pick us up for the last three hours. Well anyway, on this particular trip on the day bus, it, it kind of got a long trip. My wife had, had some back trouble and her back was bothering her a good bit. And uh, on, the, on this particular day bus, they were playing movies and they weren't good movies. And, and it was just kind of a bad scene. So I prayed to God that coming back, I wanted to ride on the mission plane. You know, I, I just wanted to come back on the mission plane because if we came back on the mission plane, it would only be an hour and a half as opposed to this eight-hour ride. So when we 
got with Jeff's at the end of our bus ride and we got out to the house, uh, we talked about this. That maybe He said, well, maybe I can make plans with the pilot that you all can come back on the, on the, uh, on the plane. But we would have to do the three-hour ride with them first before we rode back on the plane. There was a, a, a dirt strip out of where Jeff and Crystal lived, but uh, there were times that that wasn't feasible. And if there were cloud covers, they couldn't come in. And I heard one story one time, they went out there and, and, and the pilot found a hole in the cloud and got in. And, and I, I didn't want to be a part of that, but, but anyway, so we were there during our time and um, Jeff contacted the pilot. He said, no, he don't think it's going to work. He can't take us back. But there's two reasons. One reason is it's, uh, the weather is raining all week. The second reason is the plane's in the shop and they're not getting it fixed. So every day, Jeff would check with the pilot, I believe, and that was the same story. It was still raining, and the plane was still in the shop. Well, it come time for us to leave to go back to Guatemala City, and uh, Jeff said, well, it's not working out to fly. I said, okay, we'll go back the way we came. We'll go by the bus. At 6.30 that morning, now, the day we was going back to Guatemala City, we loaded everything in, our, in, the, in the vehicle and we headed three a uh, three-hour ride down the road to catch the bus. And I'd been praying that, that God would overrule and so we could fly on the plane. But that morning we got in the vehicle and said, nope, we can't fly, we're going on the bus. But do you know, one hour down the road, the pilot called Jeff. He said, things have changed. He said, the, the storm moved out, the sun's shining, and we just got the plane out of the shop. And I think he was kind of anxious to do a test run with the plane. And... Uh, he said, if you want me to, I'm gonna, I will land in the city where you are going to go get the bus. And furthermore, I'll be there at the same time that you're going to get there to get the bus. Wasn't that amazing how God answered prayer? And so we told him that we would. We would accept his offer and we, we would meet him when he got there and when we got there. And I think that when we pulled into the parking lot of the airport, we saw him coming in to land. And so that's where this message starts. And I had never flown in this mission plane before, and remember that I had qualms about it, and I got motion sickness really easy. And uh, that was one of my problems on the bus on the night bus that time I had a terrible experience so anyway we got there got loaded up the pilot understood that I kind of had motion sickness 
And so he said he would do what he could to take care of me. And so we lifted off, and the pilot put, I was in the uh, co-pilot seat. He gave me a set of uh, headset so I could hear what was going on. And as we were flying in the, in, in the air, the pilot would uh, call in and give an account of himself. And my text verse is, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, from Romans uh, 14.12, and we'll go there momentarily. And this is what he would say when he would call into the control tower. He would identify his plane, he would say, I'm six miles south of Tikal. I'm 10,500 feet. And he would say, I have four souls on board. And I have three and a half hours of fuel. You see, he was carrying out his responsibility for the people in the plane and for others. And he wanted to make this flight as good as possible. You know, as, as we live our lives, we have a personal responsibility and accountability to others as live around us. And you know, I'm, I'm asking us, yourself and myself, the question, do you report to your Heavenly Father on a regular basis? You know, how are you doing? Do you call into your control tower, which is our Heavenly Father, on a regular basis and give an account of yourself? And you know, this is a more of a sensitive subject for young people. Do, do you, as young people, voluntarily uh, you know, tell your parents where you've been or what you've been doing? See, the pilot had four souls in his care. And you know, the fourth soul was his own soul. When he told the control tower that I have four souls on board, he was counting himself. And when he said he had three and a half hours of fuel, he was saying that in the context that I have a one and a half hour flight, but I have three and a half hours of fuel. And a little later on in the message, I would like to think about what is our fuel? Do we have enough of fuel on board to make it to our eternal destination? And I would like to think of this fuel mixture of being uh, faith, trust, and endurance. And, and we'll look at that a little bit later. So turn with me to Romans uh, 14, 7 to 19. Romans 14, 7 to 19. I want to read this passage thinking about responsibility and so on. I'm not planning to really go into what all this passage says, but I just want to pull some truths out of these verses. Uh, Romans 14, 7 to 19. We're thinking about accountability. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live or we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose, revived, that He might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. By why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we 
shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be greed with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him the meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherein one may edify another. <clears throat> so back to uh, verse 7. It talks about whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. <clears throat> and I think in the background of that, we hear, we hear accountability. You know, we, we, we are accountable to God. But we can also rest in that fact that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Uh, that, is a, that is a promise that, that we can accept. That's a promise that we can, we can claim, that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. <clears throat> And also, um, verse 7, uh, I didn't mention verse 7, but for none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth unto himself. Uh, we're, we're creatures that, that affect each other in the journey of life. <clears throat> and as in our story today, the pilot, you know, he had a concern that, that the trip would be a good trip. And he was responsible for those in his control, under his control. And verse 9 says that, For to this end Christ both died and rose again, and revived that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. And so that's reiterating the truth up in the other verse, that whether we live or whether we die on this earth, we are the Lord's. <clears throat> I'd like to turn to First uh, Corinthians chapter six, nineteen to twenty, thinking about this aspect of ownership. First Corinthians six, nineteen to twenty. It says what? Know ye not? that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body, with your spirit, which are God's. And I think that's a good thought to, to keep in mind. Who owns us? 
And then who are we accountable to? And who should we be reporting to? You know, sometimes in this pilot and the control tower thing, uh, who, who, who's in charge? Who has the final say? Who has the word? Well, the control tower has, has the final say. They give direction to the pilot. Do they know where the plane is? Well, I think generally they do. They have the modern technology of radar and so on. They know where the plane is, but they want the pilot to tell them where he is. What is he doing and what is going on? And you know, that was interesting as I was in that plane. I could hear what was going on. I could hear the pilot communicating with the control tower. And, and, and he, was, he was keeping in touch in the same way in our lives. Jesus died for us and now he owns us. And we need to be communicating with him on a regular basis. And you know, sometimes I, I had that prayer that we would go back on the plane and, and God did not need to answer that prayer. He could have sent us back on the bus. But He chose to answer that prayer. And I think in, in, in when we pray to God in, in, small way, in smaller ways like that, when we face greater obstacles, it builds our faith and trust in God. Maybe I should tell you this one story about God answering prayer. Uh, <clears throat> and, and, and Joe reminded me of it later in that same week. The, uh, this was some, several summers ago. I went to till in my garden one evening and, uh, and, the, and the rope tore out of my tiller. Uh, well, that's a simple thing. But I got to looking at it and I thought, well, that's a little more complicated. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll run it over to the shop there in the country, and maybe he'll fix it right while I wait on him. So I went over there that evening, and he said, no. He said, that's, that's complicated on your tiller. you got to tear the front end clear off the tiller to fix that rope. He said, no, you, you just leave it here. So I, I thought I was being generous with him, and I said, um, could I come back and pick it up in a week? I thought I was really being generous. I wanted to get it the next day, but I thought, I'll, I'll give you a week. He said, a week? He said, I'm two months behind. And said, more than that, I'm, uh, some of my jobs are going to other shops, and I'm still two months behind. I said, okay, I'll take my turn then. But when I left there, I prayed that I could come back in a week and get that tiller. I prayed to God that he would take care of him, that I could come back in a week. And, uh, and for some reason at, at CLP at Devotions, I mentioned that I think on a Monday morning that, that I took my tiller and I was praying to have back in a week. And don't you know, uh, Friday noon, I believe it was, Joe asked me, did you get your tiller back? I said, well, no. No, I haven't. But I said, it's still Friday. And I had no way of knowing whether God would answer that prayer or not. But do you know at 2.30 that afternoon, I got a call from the shop. The same man that told me it would be two months, he said, you know, I got to thinking about it. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to do it for you right now. And he said, your tiller is done. Do you know what I said? I said, I'm going to be on the road to get it. 
When God answers prayer like that, don't wait. <laughs> and I don't went and got it. You see, that, that builds faith in those kind of prayers. God doesn't have to get your tiller fixed in a week. But, but he, he chose to put pressure on that man to do it. And, and see, he says God owns us in this verse here. We are bought with a price. It says glorify God in your body. In the things that we do, glorify God. And that, and that includes communicating with God. Like the pilot communicates with the control tower on a regular basis, we need to be communicating with God. Okay, turn while we're in Corinthians, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 5.15. The thought there in verse uh, 9 in Romans 14. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He that died for all that they might live which should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again and that brings out the truth in verse 9 in Romans 14 9 that says for to this end Christ both died and rose again that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So, then if we are the Lord's and we, and we uh, are accountable to him, then in verse 10, it's interesting. It says, then why do you judge your brother? You know, Christ died for all. We're all in the body. We love one another. Then... Why do you judge your brother? And, and that's a good question. Or why do you look down on your brother? And uh, uh, think of that verse in Matthew 7, 4. Matthew 7, 4 says, Oh, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, or the beam, or behold a beam in the own eye? <clears throat> we need to get the beam or the timber out of our eyes so that we can see that tiny particle or sawdust, <clears throat> so that you can get that tiny particle or sawdust out of the other person. Then he goes on to say that every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Then he comes back to, to, to giving an account in verse 12. So every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. See, when the pilot called in to give an account, he didn't give generalities. He didn't give a vague report. You know, he, he gave specifics. He, he told it exactly how it was. And he was also concerned for his passengers. He tried to do everything 
to make it comfortable for us. And in verse 13, it says, Let us therefore, it comes back to this judging again. Let us therefore judge one, let us not therefore judge another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. Okay, when we was flying along there, and we were above the clouds. The clouds, the cl it was a it was a total cloud cover for a good ways, and we were above the clouds. It looked like this cloud cover was a floor, and we was riding above this floor, and and the floor wasn't too far down from where we was, and we were we were just going fine. It was smooth. And this verse is talking about putting a stumbling block in your brother's way. Do you think the pilot all of a sudden did a nosedive? Do you think he played tricks? No. And, and, and so why, why are we tempted to do the same at times to our brethren and our sisters? See, he wanted to do what? He wanted to make the trip as best as possible. He did not do nose dives and tricks. Because he was focusing on four souls to get them to their destination. And I thought that was an interesting term that when he would call into the control tower, he would always say four souls. He wouldn't say four uh, persons. He wouldn't say... Uh, three passengers and one pilot. He would always say four souls. That was the way he, he identified us. Then in uh, verse 14 here, it says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. And, and in this passage, of course, it's talking about the, the, the church was established. They came out of the Old Testament dispensation of, 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 of sacrifices. And then also along with that, meat offered to idols and so on. But, but in, in Christ, everything is made clear. And I, and I like that concept. Everything is clear. There's no gray areas. There, there, there's no um, misunderstandings, as it were, in what Christ expects of us. Maybe our problem is sometimes we're not communicating with the control tower. You know, we're trying to make decisions on our own, and that will get us into trouble. talks about in verse uh, 15, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with the meat for him who Christ died. You know, we need to be charitable with each other and walk in love. And then it goes on to say that that's not the primary focus of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what, 
that's what um, brings us together. That's what fills our life. Rome, I'd like to turn to uh, Philippians 3, uh, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 9 of Philippians. <clears throat> it says, and this thing of righteousness says, being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I talked about, and I'll get to that momentarily, about the, about the fuel. Do we have enough of fuel to make it? And one of the ingredients is faith. And here's talks about righteousness and faith. <clears throat> and then with the aspect of peace, uh, Jesus said in uh, John 14, 27, My peace I leave with you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then it talks about joy there in verse 17. Uh, I'd like to turn to 1 Peter 1, 7 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. <clears throat> The trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom through ye now see him not yet believing, yet rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of the Holy Ghost, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And I think it's so encouraging. That's the end destination of our faith is the, the final eternal salvation of our souls. <clears throat> we haven't seen him yet, but we can rejoice. Uh, verse um, 18 talks about acceptable with God. We can give our account with joy. When we call into our control tower, we can do it with joy. And um, <clears throat> verse 19, the last verse in our passage here from Romans, says, For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. <clears throat> Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about the fuel. Do we have enough of fuel? You know, faith, uh, in Hebrews, it says that it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. And you know, Jesus, when He was here on the earth, He talked about those that had little faith. And I think that's interesting that, that He was... He was measuring, measuring their faith, saying little faith. But this verse in Hebrews says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And I, 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 want, I want us to claim that promise, that, that regardless of the size of our faith, you know, we, we can please God, we can grow in that, and it says He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 
that would indicate that, that our faith is growing and it grows day by day and, and situation by situation. And so faith is, is a, an important ingredient in, in our fuel in life as we journey. And Romans 1, 17 uh, Romans 1.17 says, For then is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, The just shall live by faith. And you know, our faith needs to be rooted into God so strong that it's not a wait and see what happens, but we know that God will see us through. And so as we, as we came into Guatemala City in this, in this mission plane, uh, we, we, we we're down below the cloud cover now and the sun is shining bright and the city is below us and, and, and we have a ringside seat and, and we're circling Guatemala City. We, we see the airport there and we see uh, big, Huge jets coming in, and it's like somebody told me one time. He he came in on a jet into Guatemala City, and he said it's like riding a run a runaway freight train. And and the reason of that is this this airport apparently isn't as long as a, a lot of airports, and it's also there kind of on the on the mountain, and uh, with the way the mountains lay around there, the pilots have to. When they approach, they have to come in and just kind of dive down and, and stop, so to speak, compared to other airports. And so the pilot, and I, he was talking to me, and as we were just, we were just, it just seemed like we were really going slow. We, and we were compared to those jets, but we could, we, we were just kind of up here on the top and we could see down there, watch those jets come in. And do you know this is the comment he made as we was watching those jets come in. Now this is a pilot and he's been trained and he, he understands uh, the dynamics of how the principles of how planes fly and how that works. But as he looked out the window and he saw this huge jet come down, he made this comment. He said, I do not understand how big jets fly. Oh, wow, here's my pilot, and he don't understand how big jets fly. I'm sure he had faith. He could see it right there that they were. You know, he had faith. He knew that, that it worked. Is that sometimes the way our faith is? We, 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 we. And that's the way our faith should be in God. If we don't understand God and how He's working in our life, we should have the full faith that it's going to work out all right in the end. But we need to have, have faith in God. And I'm sure my pilot was trained in, in the way the planes fly, the little ones and the big ones, when he, when he got his license, when he took his training. But, but he said that he, he don't know how it works. But he had faith that it works. Then the second ingredient in our fuel needs to be trust. And that's to put confidence 
in someone else other than yourself. And do you know, that's, that's what happens when a person becomes selfish. They don't have room for God or others. See, self crowds out room for others and God. And so that's why when a person becomes selfish, that's why when pride enters in, it's focusing on ourself. And, and then people come to this position. I heard a man say this one time. He says, I need to take care of myself because nobody else does. And we, we get into that mentality that, that selfishness crowds out God and others. So remember that. that, that and then in our trust, is in ourselves rather than others. And that's why Jesus Christ was so refreshing when He came to the earth. And here's a testimony from Isaiah that shows up in Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. Matthew chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. This is quoting from the Old Testament. It says, verse 17, that it may be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He will not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So there you have it. This portrays a picture of Jesus and how that he is willing to, to work. He's willing to be long-suffering. Verse 20 of Bruce Reed and so on, he's, as long as there's any life or any hope of life, he's willing to work with it. And it says, in his name will the Gentiles trust. <clears throat> then the thing of endurance. Uh, turn to James 1.12. Endurance. How much endurance do we have? And it's a beautiful mixture, I believe, of, of faith, trust, and endurance. Uh, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. See, endurance is the ability to last or to continue to remain to the end. And blessed is that man that endureth. And so... As we fly, as it were, through the journey of life, make sure you have plenty of fuel. See, this pilot had an hour and a half trip, and he had three and a half hours of fuel. And make sure your fuel is the right mixture of faith, trust, and endurance. So, in conclusion, how many souls are you accountable for? Well, we're all accountable for our own selves and our own actions. And the, and the number from there varies. 
And regardless of whether we're responsible for one soul or many souls, we need to call in our report on a regular basis. And may we all have enough fuel for our final destination. Shall we sing? <laughs>